Isaiah chapter 64 is our main text uh, for today. Isaiah 64, and I'm reading from different translations. I start first of all reading from the New King James Version Bible. It reads as follows. Oh, that you may rend the heavens, that you would come down, that the mountains may shake at your presence. As fire burns brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, that the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things for which we did not look, you came down. The mountains shook at your presence. For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for the one who waits for him. Hallelujah. The complete Jewish Bible says, we wish you would tear open the heavens and come down. So the mountains would shake at your presence. It would be like fire kindling the brush. And the fire then makes the water boil. Then your enemies would know your name. The nations would tremble before you when you did tremendous things that were that we were not expecting. We wished that you would come down so that the mountains would shake at your presence. No one has ever heard, nor ear perceived, nor eye seen any God but you. You work for him who waits for you. The New English translation says, if only you would tear apart the sky and come down, the mountains would tremble before you. And when fire ignites dry wood and fire makes water boil, let your adversaries know who you are. And may the nations shake at your presence. When you performed awesome deeds that took us by surprise, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no one has heard or perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who intervenes for those who wait for him. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Hallelujah. This verse, this particular passage that we are reading, our text describes the word revival. It describes revival, what happens for revival to come, and what happens when revival comes. When you read the first verse, I mean the writer of this verse, you can tell their intensity, their plea, and their request to God, all that you would rent the heavens. It's a plea of passion. It's a request made to God where this person is not holding back. It's a desire that stems from the heart. It's something that burns in the heart of this person. And they are calling out to God, oh, that you might rend the heavens. It's a very interesting expression because it gives a picture of God tearing up the heavens. It shows that God tears the heavens apart. By implication, what it speaks of, it speaks of revival. 
When God tears the heavens, figuratively speaking, and he tears the heavens and his spirit comes down when he tears the heavens. In the same way we saw the veil of the temple being torn when Jesus died, when the veil of the temple was being torn, God was saying, my presence is coming out of being exclusive. My presence is coming to meet with my people because I've always wanted to be a God among my people. I've always wanted everybody, every man, every woman, every girl to experience my presence. It wasn't like that in the Old Testament. The presence of God was reserved only for a select few. Even for that matter, only for the high priest who went and ministered in the presence of the Lord. But God makes an announcement. I want to my people to encounter me. I want my people to know my power. And so this person prays all that you might rent the heavens and that your presence can come upon us. When God comes upon us, it is likened like rain coming upon us. When you read many verses, revival is, is likened as unto rain. And the presence of God, when it comes, the Bible says he comes like rain. In Hosea chapter 6, verse 3, in the New King James Version, it reads, Let us know, let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. He will come to us like the rain, like the latter and the former rain to the earth. See, when the presence of God comes upon us, he comes like rain. You know, when rain falls, rain falls all of a sudden. You can see it forming. You can see the clouds forming. But even when the clouds are forming, even when it is being manufactured or it's about to rain, you really don't know the exact time. And when the rain falls on you, it can almost come upon you unawares, unexpected. In Joel chapter 2, verse 23, this is what the prophet says. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former and the latter rain in the first month. So the prophet tells us, when this rain comes, God's not going to give you moderate rain. But when this rain comes, it will be heavy rain torrents. It will be a flood that will come upon you. God will cause the former rain and the latter rain rolled up in one and it will come all together in one month upon you. So God is saying you will have heavy rain torrents. It will be a downpour of rain. It will make everything wet in its path. It will come upon everything. I don't know how many of you, you know, I remember in my days as a child, you know, and I used to walk to school, you know, we were not driven to school. We'd walk to school or you'd take a bus. And then during the rainy season, you know, at times you would kind of get a chance and say, ah, it's not going to rain today, you know. And so you don't take your raincoat. And then after school, all of a sudden, when you look up, you see the clouds dark there. You can see it's about to rain. You're not sure when it's going to start. And from nowhere, there's what they call a cloud burst. All of a sudden, the rain just 
pours on you and it makes you wet through and through. I mean, you, you try to run through this rain and your clothes are wet and everything about you is wet and your books are wet, your shoes are wet, your socks are wet and then you even get to a point where you stop running. How to sumat? I am already wet. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? And you are just wet through and through because when it comes in that measure, it makes everything wet in its path. This is important, Bazalon, because God is telling us whatever has been dead in your life, when the rain of the Holy Spirit comes upon your life, can I hear an amen in this house? God is about to touch everything. Now, and so it says, be glad. Be glad. God is going to give you rain. Now note, for rain to fall, there needs to be a combination of several things. Number one, there needs to be sufficient moisture or vapor that evaporates into the atmosphere. And the word sufficient is the key word, all right? There has to be sufficient vapor and moisture that evaporates into the atmosphere. That's the first thing. Secondly, as this vapor or moisture reaches the upper regions of the atmosphere, we know that there's cooler temperature over there. And then when it reaches up there, the result is that this moisture, this vapor begins to condense. We used to study this in Africans when I was at school. We used to call it the condensancy. That's what my teacher used to call it. The condensancy, he used to say. So as the vapor reaches the upper regions of the atmosphere, condensations happen. And when condensation happens, this causes rain clouds to form. Now watch. It's not all clouds that bring rain. You have all the different kinds of clouds. You have the, the stratus clouds, the nimbus clouds, planets on. Cumulonimbus cloud, planets on. And what? Q, what? What? Series. Series. Like Juzia series. I'm going to quote you on that. The series clouds. But we know that all these clouds... As much as there are clouds, not all clouds bring rain. The only kind of clouds that bring rain is the cumulonimbus clouds. Because the cumulonimbus clouds are the clouds that are saturated with moisture. Even then, Mamela, the extent to which the rain falls is determined by the extent of the moisture released in the atmosphere. More moisture more possibility of rain. More moisture, it's the more it determines the amount of rain that will fall. Now note, when we read the Bible, we note that for the revival rains to fall, for the revival cumulonimbus clouds to fall, it's not just an act from heaven only. We know the rain comes from heaven, but what comes down from the earth affects what comes down from heaven. So what rises from the ground must interact with what comes from heaven for the rain to fall. And so we read the Bible, we note that the moisture that comes up, when you read in the book of Revelation, you note that what comes up is the prayers of the saints as they go up. Which means, if we really want the rain of revival to come, it is not all up to God. It's a working together between God and mankind. 
And the extent to which we want the intensity of the revival is the extent to which we must demonstrate in the intensity of our prayer. That is why it is not that the prayer of a righteous man is the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that makes great power available. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? This is why in a praying church, there will always be an atmosphere of the presence of God. This is why in a praying home, there will always be an atmosphere of the reign of heaven. This is why when you are a praying person, the reign of heaven will always be upon your life. Because you've got to have the moisture going up for the condensancy to happen. Tell your neighbor, you've got to have the moisture going up. You've got to have the moisture to go up. So when the clouds are heavy with moisture, then they get to a point, watch this, where the clouds cannot hold back. They become so heavy that they break out. In other words, the volume and the intensity of the rain is predicated upon the amount of moisture that went up during evaporation. Which means, therefore, when you read James 5, James is trying to show us something about this concept. Note what he says. He says, confess your faults therefore to one another. James 5 verse 16. I read the Amplified Bible. Confess to one another therefore your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. And pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Then watch. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. So he says, it's not just a cold, half-hearted prayer. It's not just a prayer because someone is in crisis. It's an earnest, heartfelt continued prayer. It's a prayer, 24-7 prayer. It's a prayer that goes on and on and on. It is that kind of prayer that makes tremendous power available and dynamic. It is working. In other words, he's simply saying it is the rising of the moisture. As it rises continually and rises in great amounts and it rises in large amounts that the condensancy is going to happen and the rain is going to fall. And then he says, he changes, he says, well now, verse 17, Elijah (laughs) was a human being with a nature such as we have. With feelings, affections, and a constitution like ours. Watch. And he prayed for it not to rain. And no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. Verse 18. And then he prayed again. And the heavens supplied the rain and the land produced its crops as usual. Which means this, Barcelona. You can experience the revival rain. It's up to you if you want to live in revival or you want to live in a dry and parched land. You can experience a revival in a church. It is up to you as church people to the extent to which you pray the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer. If you do that, then the rain will fall 
And the amount of moisture going up will determine the amount of rain that falls. It's a combination and a working together of heaven and earth. You know, most people like to say they're waiting for God to do certain things. And God looks at them and says, Mara, you know what? I am waiting for you. I want to bring the rain. Mara, where is the moisture? I will bring a cloud burst. I will bring heavy rain torrents. But you've got to make sure you let the rain rise into the heavens. I will make sure the condensancy happens. And I will make sure the cumulonimbus happens. But it can only be as dark to the extent of the amount of the moisture given. Because there are times sometimes when you look up, it looks like it's going to rain. Because it's not enough moisture. I don't know about you. In my life, I want to be drenched all over by the power of God. Can I hear an amen? Let me show you seven things that this verse is telling us in Isaiah chapter 64. Seven things that happen when revival comes. Seven things that I would ask you to be ready for. Because now that we're praying, now that we're trusting God, now that we're asking God for revival, these seven things are going to happen. How many of you can say, I am ready in my life? I'm ready. I'm ready. Number one, we find it in verse two. It says, as fire burns brushwood, or as when fire ignites dry wood, the first thing we find is that in times of revival, God removes dead areas in our lives. God removes those dead areas in our lives. I don't know about you, Bazalana. There are times, Mabuzalana, more rastang day. You find that you're not vibrant, there's dead areas in your lives, things that are not pleasing God. You carry in these dead things, they are a weight in your life. In times of revival, God removes dead things. We start realizing certain things are not giving us any advantage. Certain things don't benefit us. Certain relationships are not necessary. Certain connections are really badly. Certain things that we are reading, we should not be reading. Certain places that we are going to, we shouldn't be going there. Because they are not having any value add. Unkulunkulu opens your eyes and shows you that thing is a dead thing. That's the first thing that happens. Dead things are removed from our life. The second thing that happens... We find it in the second part of verse 3. It says, you came down. The mountains shook at your presence. Mountains are a picture of what does not move. The immovable will move. So secondly, in terms of revival... God dissolves immovable difficulties. I don't know how many of you are ready for the sudden lease of God. Those things that you have been struggling with and all of a sudden God just pushes it aside. You know, sometimes as human beings, we, we amplify the power of problems. And we get into a mode where it's almost like we think it's going to take God a long time to solve certain things. Think about Abraham and Sarah, his wife. God visits them. Sarah is 90 years old. She's not been able to conceive. She's reached a point where she has totally given up. No hope whatsoever. And God visits. And God says to Abraham, what's working, Abraham? Next year, this time, this is All it took is one visit from God. 
That's why Barcelona, irrevival. Another term we use the word visitation. When God visits, like we saw last week, when he went to the house of, when he goes into the houses of people, and he goes to the house of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus who had been out of tune for all the years, when God visits, everything comes back to order. I see things coming back to order into your life in the name of Jesus. Things that have been immovable, things that have been difficult, things that you are not able to resolve. When revival comes, God begins to move the immovable. Can I hear an amen? amen. The third thing we find in verse 2, it says, as the fire causes water to boil. What does that mean? God is going to cause you to boil like water. God restores our zeal. Ah, hallelujah. God restores our zeal. We become zealous for the things of God. We become vibrant people, not people who keep dragging themselves around like you are apologizing to be alive. Oh, I see you being full of zeal, being full of life, because God breaks through in your life. And God restores zeal. You know, I love next month because it's a youth month. We're going to, we're going to do a theme about youthfulness and, and being young. You know, maybe some of you, maybe for Botox, maybe I don't, I don't know. But, but, but there's nothing as sad as seeing a Christian open cheating. How many of you are sitting next to somebody? Can you look at them right now and say, when I, the world's saying, Amen, thank you, for me, it's even worse when a person is young. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? This is why, Barcelona, the presence of God keeps us strong and young and youthful and zealous. Can I hear an amen, Barcelona? You can go to holidays after holidays after holidays and come back more tired when you come back than when you went. But you can stand some minutes in the presence of the Lord and come to a service like this, Maupumalana, Hautamayawabamba, instead, because the presence of the Lord is able to bring zeal in our lives. Hallelujah. 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 Number four. Second part of verse two, it says to make your name known to the adversaries. Our adversaries, our enemies will know God's name. Number four, it means God will bring victory into your life. Yeah, they thought it's over with you. They didn't know. You are just about to start. Ah, they thought it's over with you. They thought your business was over. Your family is over. Your career is over. They thought everything is over. But God is about to bring victory in your life. Number five. The third part of verse two. It says, and that the nations may tremble at your presence. See, revival, when it comes, not only does it touch you, but it makes you to see the world as a global village. When revival comes, God enlarges your vision to see beyond your specific area, to have a vision that is enlarged. 
So number five, as the revival comes, your vision will be enlarged. We see nations trembling at the presence of God as we take the gospel there. We see this gospel solving things. We see our vision enlarged. But this is why through this revival, we're going back to planting churches again. We're going back to buying places again. Can I hear an amen? We're going back. That's why Lebona, we're bit by bit, certain programs, Saruna, they are coming back. Why? Because in the time of revival, in the time of revival, your vision is enlarged. You know, I was telling people, yesterday I was in Bethal, and I was telling them, I said, you know, Bazalana, we must really thank God for what the church is doing. Because, you know, the way the churches are run, for some people in our community, the church becomes the only place where they're able to see something different. Where they're able to be inspired in a different way. Yeah, yeah. I was telling them, you know, the way we're doing things, it's, 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 it's a place where people start to dream possibility. They realize we can be organized, man. We can run things that are okay, man. We can have large buildings. I mean, we can do things. We can love God and serve God and still be pretty and still be handsome. Can I hear an amen in the house? We can love God and put God first, even if we can be prosperous. Even if they are secondary. We put first the kingdom of God and we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear him? As you look around, you see young people, young men, and, and people of all age groups. They are here in the presence of God, lifting up their hands to the Holy God. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a shout. We are here as people. The church becomes the place where people can be envisioned. As revival comes, God affects our vision. God affects what we see. May God affect what you see. May you see possibility in your life. May you realize that God can take you to another level. May you understand no matter what your background is, you don't have to die in that background. God is able to take you further. Because when revival comes, God begins to affect what you see in your vision. Number six. Wow. It's in verse three. It says, when you did awesome things for which we did not look. We were not expecting. Mara, you did it. So number six, it means the impossible becomes a reality. Those things that you thought were so impossible, situations that you thought will not work, God did awesome things. The NIV says, long ago, you did some wonderful things we didn't expect. You know, I love it when God does what you didn't expect. When God answers a prayer that you thought you didn't pray for. When God delivers something you were not even looking in that direction. Can I hear an amen? I've seen it many times when God has moved with healing power over people in the church. I remember the one lady, you know, uh, she came to church. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. She was so happy. And I said, no, come and give a testimony. And then she comes up and she starts testifying. She says, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. She says, ha, huh? Oh. You see, she was looking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. How many of you are expecting God to go into those areas? But then it says, in conclusion, verse 7, it says in verse 4, verse 4, point number 7, for since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived the ear, nor has the eye seen any God besides you who acts for those 
who wait for him. Number seven, God moves for those who wait for him. Oh, yeah. God moves for those who wait for him. Waiting for God doesn't mean like waiting for a bus or waiting for a taxi. It means waiting in his presence. Waiting in prayer. Don't ever think you are wasting time when you are waiting on the Lord. Remember, even if it's not raining yet, Keep sending up the moisture as you wait upon God. Send the moisture concerning your family. Send the moisture concerning your children. Send the moisture up concerning your career. Send the moisture up concerning your parents. Send the moisture up concerning the church. Concerning your nation. Keep on sending the moisture. Keep on sending the moisture. Why? Because the Bible says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They, will, they shall mount up with wings and eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and they shall not faint. And God wants to bring revival in your life. My question is, are you ready for it? Are you ready for it? I believe strongly in my heart that this difficult period that we've been through. And God, by his grace, has carried us, carried you. But it's a known fact when you read God's word that after this type of experiences, God comes through for his people as God wants to come through for you. Some of you, as you are listening from home, watching on social media, Right here in Pinville, in all the other branches. Maybe you don't know Christ as Savior and Lord. Your life is not connected to God. And today you hear God speak to you. He wants to renew you. He wants to revive you. He wants to bring a new day in your life. Maybe you've walked away from God. But God says, don't walk away. I want to change your life. If you're here today, you want to receive Christ, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Right in this place. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask you to stand, young lady. Can you stand right where you are? Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. Just stand on your feet. I'm going to ask us to join this young lady as we pray with her. And join all the people in other places who are joining in in prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I invite you, Jesus, to come into my heart to be the Savior and the Lord of my life. Change me. Make me a child of God. Do a new thing in my life. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe he was raised from the dead. I believe he died because of my sin. And right now I invite him as my Savior and Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Give this young lady a big hand and everybody else who's joining everywhere.